Well, here we are. We've sprung ahead with our daylight saving time. And now we're going to spring into a new season, a new day, growing in the fear of God. This study that we've been going through, um, this would be actually my first. I've been away the last couple Sundays. Um, so it'll be my first with you during this study. But it's been on the fear of man, of course. Um, so the last couple weeks, uh, been looking at the fear of man more generally, and we've been reminded of the ultimate cure, which is, what's the solution or the cure to the fear of man? Fear of God, God, right? And so this morning we're going to look at the fear of man more specifically, okay? And in, in particular, these three common forms of the fear of man, which are the fear of exposure, the fear of rejection, and the fear of harm. And so our goal, our goal ultimately, right, is is to see progress, to grow, right? And uh, of course, in order to escape or avoid the fear of man, which is often referred to as a snare, it can lay a snare, sounds like a proverb, we must remain hopeful that God actually can change us, right? He is in the process of changing us. And we can be reminded, even with hope, that in Luke 18, that what is impossible with men is possible with God. And so we need to turn our hearts to him in prayer and ask him that he would see fit to use even this study this morning to change our hearts. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercies to us that are new every morning. We thank you for even the journey mercies of bringing us here safely on the roads. Thank you, Lord, for even how we can mark time this morning and knowing that um, even as our times change, you never change and that you are in the heavens. And thank you, Lord, that you keep your promises, that you are with us, And Lord, we just ask that you would encourage us this morning with your presence. Help us to know even your provision in the Lord Jesus Christ as we have a Savior who has saved us and delivered us even from the fear of man to fear you. And Lord, we thank you also for your protection. And we ask that you would continue to protect our hearts even from the the evil one who would seek to distract us, distort the truths that are are being said, Lord. We just ask that you... Protect us from the evil one and help us, Lord, even by your spirit um, to receive this teaching. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So the first form, if you don't have a a handout, Dawson, my my trusty assistant, uh, will pass you out a handout. uh, But you can follow along in your handout. This first form of fear, fear of man, that we'll consider today is the fear that others will expose us. So can anyone trace back where this whole idea of fear that others will expose us, where does it actually come from? From the garden. Okay, so what happened in the garden? Well, in Genesis chapter 3, Right? We have this fear of exposure 
that was the immediate result of Adam and Eve's sin, right? We might say that the first consequence of their sin was this feeling of shame, being exposed. And what did it lead to? Well, it led to them seeking to hide themselves from God. Fear of exposure. It is, it is, fundamental, it is a fundamental feature of being human, right? But as Christians, we recognize that this is not the way that it is meant to be. So we have the fear of exposure. Second, we're going to consider the fear of rejection. No one wants to be rejected, right? And in this book entitled, When People Are Big and God is Small, a fellow by the name of Ed Welch says this, quote, Closely related to the fear that people will expose us is perhaps the most common reason we are controlled by other people. They can reject, ridicule, or despise us. They don't invite us to the party. They ignore us. They don't like us. They aren't pleased with us. They withhold the acceptance, love, or significance we want from them. And as a result, we feel worthless. So the fear of rejection, it's a very real thing. Thirdly, and finally, we're going to explore what is this idea of the fear of harm. The fear of harm. Okay? The solution, as has been discussed, is all the same. Fearing God. And I'd like for someone to read for us, volunteer, read for us Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Matthew 10, verse 28. Nice, loud, public speaking voice. Matthew 10, verse 28. Have a volunteer read that for us. Very good. So we have this sense in which fearing harm, right, more than God, can have some devastating consequences. Essentially, it is of eternal consequence if we fear harm more than God, right? In fact, that's the problem with all these forms of fear of man, right? There is a, a perceived need that we have that overtakes our fear of God, which, which can ultimately lead to idolatry, right? When we trust or serve something rather than trusting and serving the one true God, right? So we're going to start by asking the question, what do we fear? What do you fear? What do I fear? Right? Then we're going to look at each three, and we're going to, these three, the fear of exposure, fear of rejection, fear of harm, and we're going to take a closer look at each one. But for this, this morning's class, I would like each one if you have a pen, you can write these things down. Or if you have an iPhone, you can go to the Note app or whatever. That's how I write most of my sermons and things. It's like, it seems like the Note piece on my phone is because I don't always have a pen and paper in my 
front pocket, right? But you can write down, I'd like you to write down, just as a way of taking stock, even of your own heart, the main ways in which fear of exposure, fear of rejection, and fear of harm tend to become controlling factors in your life. Okay, so I'd like you to write down the main ways in which fear of exposure, fear of rejection, and fear of harm tend to become controlling factors in your life. So go ahead, I'll give you a minute or so to write, jot down some of those things. Okay, now, so as you look at your list, it's very likely that these fears that you've jotted down really stem from a concern that you're not safe, right? Or if, if people related to the fear of man, we might say if, if people knew who we are, well, they might disapprove of us, right? They might despise us. That's the fear of exposure. Or if people don't accept us, right, our real value will be seen for what it is, and it might lead to the fear of rejection. Or, left to ourselves, we might be hurt by others, right? And then that gives rise to the fear of harm, okay? So, at this stage, it might be helpful for us even to think, okay, are there ways that we can fear in right ways? Are there appropriate fears? I would say so. I mean, if you're a parent here and you say, okay, I'd like you to go across the street, get the mail to your 10-year-old son. Is it appropriate to have the fear that your son look both ways before he crosses the street? <coughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah, right? Is it appropriate that we have even this morning, checks and balances where we sign our kids in to Sunday school. We know they're accounted for, right? We, we're concerned for their safety, right? So the church has different things and procedures that they go through, right? Is, that a, is it appropriate to be concerned about the safety of our children? Well, of course. Is it, is it appropriate to even have the fear that we would want to please our parents please the authorities that are over us? Well, sh well, sure. If you're married, it's very appropriate that you seek to please your spouse. Right? As a pastor, there's a concern that, we, that I, and I think it might be even said for all Christians, that we would seek to have a good reputation, right, among outsiders. Those are good things. There is ways that we can fear in a right way, Right? But be, and, and fear can, in many ways, keep us safe, right? It can be a gen generally, it can be a good thing. But that said, what we're dealing with this morning is when fears become controlling, right? We, when we become controlled by our fears. And the bottom line is this. Why is it that we become controlled by fear? The bottom line is, is sin, right? Both our sin and the sins of others. What was the great promise of sin given in Genesis 
that the serpent said? Well, it was that your eyes will be opened and that you will be like God, right? As the serpent said. In other words, you will be independent of God. You, you might even be self-sufficient from God. But it's interesting that sin actually does the opposite, doesn't it? Sin makes us afraid, right? Sin makes us fear exposure, right? Sin leads us to reject others. Sin even fears that others might have good reason to reject us. Sin is underneath the harm that we receive as people, right? And sin also leads us to distrust God and fear harm that other people will do to us, or potentially do to us, more than we fear God. So, while the world would say that our basic problem is our circumstances, God's Word will address these areas of fear from the perspective of we are sinful people living in a sinful world. So we have the fear of exposure. You can see it there in your handout. What does it look like? What does it look like? Well, first off, the fear of exposure. We fear being exposed because we do not want people to see us for who we truly are. Right? We, we hide and, and we cover, like Adam and Eve after the fall, we, hide, we seek to hide from God, and we can often even seek to hide from people, because we do not want to be exposed. Secondly, we, we escape, right? We can escape, because we don't want to be exposed. We can daydream, get lost in our own little world. We can fantasize, get maybe lost in excessive times on the internet, right? Or turn to food, or TV, or sports, or books. All because we just do not want to be exposed. So we can escape into these various things. Third, kind of sinister, we can seek to escape this fear of exposure by just trying to live our lives in such a way that we just want other people's problems exposed. And we get this sort of sick sense of pleasure when we see other people's sin exposed or fears exposed because it sort of takes away from our own. That's probably why when I was a kid, we liked watching shows like America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Where you, you watch these shows where, you know, like there was these clips of people experiencing misfortune, essentially, right? But then it, it kind of makes us, it's like, oh, well, if I can watch somebody else slip on the ice, well, then it won't make me feel so bad when I slip on the ice, right? And what is the first thing we do when we slip on the ice? For not hurt. We laugh. We look, uh, yeah, we look around to make sure our neighbor's not out watching, right? Because we don't, we don't want to be exposed, right? Right? So these 
these fears of exposure, they show up in all sorts of different ways in our life. In private, right? We don't want other people, we, we don't want people to discover, right? What we do in private, right? We don't want to be embarrassed, right? For others to discover, right? Have you ever, have you ever felt the embarrassment of, you know, someone close to you telling a story about what, what you do in private that's maybe embarrassing, right? Nobody, nobody wants that. At home, sometimes the closer you become to people, the more you can fear that they will one day see you for who you are, right? These tendencies. At work, maybe you have a gnawing fear that your boss will some, someday see that you're not actually as competent as they think. Yeah, it's a, that could be a real fear, right? A lot of times we don't want to accept people's praise because it's like, okay, don't, don't tell, if you think I'm great, right, I'm going to let you down. So maybe don't tell me I'm not great. <laughs> This fear of being exposed, right? Even at church, right? We have this, we can have a fear of, of being exposed, and it can cause us to almost wear masks, right? We want to impress others, right? We're, we can be afraid that we'll be unmasked. So, what is the answer? What's the answer to the fear of exposure? Well, the answer comes in the form of bad news and good news. So I'd like two volunteers, one to read Hebrews 4.13 and another to read Hebrews 10, verse 12. What is the answer to fear of exposure? Hebrews 4.13. Can I have somebody read that verse for us? And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and Very good. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Good news or bad news? Depends. It depends. Yeah. If it wasn't for the next verse, it would be bad news. And the next verse is Hebrews 10, verse 12. Somebody read for us Hebrews 10, verse 12. Very good. So, all are naked and exposed to, it, to the eyes of him who we must give account. And yet, by trusting in Christ, he doesn't provide just a mere covering for our shame. He actually takes that shame upon himself. He takes it away from us and onto himself. So that's the fear of, exp of exposure. But now we have the fear of rejection. What does it look like? What does the fear of rejection look like? Well, the fear of rejection can show itself in our overwhelming desire for approval. Right? Who doesn't want to be shown approval? Right? 
Our fear of rejection can often be manifest in fishing for compliments. Have you ever fished for compliments? It's like the humble brag, right? Oh, I'm no good at this. When actually you are good at that, you just want someone to compliment you for it, right? Somebody's having a hard time fig figuring something on a computer, and you're, you're like a, a whiz. You're working IT, and you're like, oh, I don't really know much about this. And then you go in there, and da -da -da -da. it's all good, done. File sent, file retrieved, file printed, and you're like, oh, no, I'm not very good at this stuff. And the person says, no, actually, you are. You're, you're actually a whiz. You really know this stuff, right? We can sometimes fish for compliments, right? Because we don't want to be rejected, right? Or we praise people, you know, in almost like a flattering way with the hope that they'll take the hint and maybe give us a compliment in return, right? Fishing for compliments. Proverbs 25, 27 says, It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glory to search out one's own glory. So fear of rejection can be manifest in this fishing for compliments. It can also be manifest in perfectionism. How much of your being overwhelmed, overextended, and busy comes from this underlying fear of rejection because you feel like you have to do everything perfectly. Perhaps this desire for perfection is not so much out of a desire for excellence, but it is a desire for approval, which we all crave. We all crave this approval. We're not okay with average, right? And it's not necessarily motivated out of a desire to offer our work before the Lord, and glorify Him. It can, be, it can be motivated at times out of just a desire for approval. And it can be the fear of man. And the fear of man lays a snare. What about going along with the crowd? The crowd doesn't have to be large. It's good for parents to remind their kids that you don't want to fall into this trap of just going along with the crowd. Right? And for kids, it's, it's important to hear your parents out, right? Because they're very likely protecting you. Protecting you, right? From decisions that, you know, could be to your harm, actual harm, but they're actually trying to teach you what it means to live in the fear of God and not your peers. Right? Even if that means not being the most popular person. Fear of rejection manifested in just going along with the crowd. No one wants to be that guy, right? The odd one out, right? So we can oftentimes fear, fear the crowd. How about our fears in not sharing the gospel, right? Not sharing the gospel because we're afraid, right? As Ed Welch says, sometimes we would prefer to die for Jesus than to live for him. Aren't the most popular mission trips the ones that take us away from our neighborhood? Going to Kathmandu might sound easy, but your neighbors might be a different story. Right? 
And along with this fear of rejection, sometimes this fear of rejection can keep us from confronting sin in others. Right? We also have this fear of rejection show itself in passivity. We become passive, right? We, we, instead of initiating love, service to others, reconciling, we wait for others to do that because we don't want to be rejected. So we wait for others to initiate. Fear of rejection. We can see it in our posture toward others. We can even see it in our speech. In our speech, as has already been said, we fear others so we can flatter them. Right? Looking for a compliment. Or, the opposite, we might say, of flattery, gossip and slander. Right? Saying something behind someone's back right can be it can almost relate back to this fear of exposure when when we we can maybe point out oh well how bad someone else's situation is right can it can flow out of a fear of rejection and a desire for acceptance well I, at least i'm not that bad that kind of thing the fear of rejection well it hurts us right it hurts us. It blinds us to our sins, right? Makes us susceptible to all sort of deceit and flattery. Interestingly enough, living with this fear of rejection, it can actually enslave us to others. It can enslave us to others. It can give others this sense, or it can act as if others have a power over you, right? This fear of rejection. Priolo says that being a people pleaser is like having a little handle on your back that others can grab hold of to push you and pull you in all directions. Being a people pleaser can often be connected to this fear of rejection. But what do we need to remember? even in this fear of rejection, we need to remember that the Lord Jesus himself was rejected. That is the answer to our fear of rejection. Knowing that Christ himself was rejected. He was despised and rejected by men. Entering into the Easter season, he was despised and rejected by men. He was re rejected by men so that we could be accepted, right? And he can also fully empathize with our own rejection. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus was rejected. He can empathize with our rejection. And in his rejection is where we actually find our acceptance before God. And that is enough. That's, a, that's sufficient. And that is our way of addressing this fear of rejection. So we carry on 
the fear of harm. The fear of harm. <laughs> what is the fear of harm? Well, some of the most difficult and painful physical harm can take place within family dynamics, between spouses, between parents and children, between extended family relationships. Right? And it seems like it's within these close relationships that you would expect to be characterized by the highest levels of trust, love, and vulnerability that can often be the most painful, especially in relation to the fear of harm. We think of the struggles of post-abuse, these very serious and sensitive topics, right, that can relate to even sexual exploitation, bullying, right? Persecution, physical suffering, right? Terrorism. I remember a time when I watched on the news these clips of this terror in Boston at the marathon. Can anybody remember that? You watch that and it's like, wow, I don't even want to go out on the street. I don't want to go to any sort of big event anymore after seeing that, right? This fear of harm. You know, and when you, when you go on the internet, you know, there's a phobia for everything. Like, yeah, like if, if, you, can, if you can imagine it, not just fear of spiders, fear of faces, fear of every imaginable thing. And, and you'll notice that in this class on the fear of man, we're not talking about phobias, right? We're talking about we're talking about the fears that go to the deeper level, right? Um, these phobias are often an indication of a deeper ch things. And, and as Christians, we're not just trying to deal with the surface level, right? What is the sin be behind the sin, right? And of course, our culture would just say, well, these, are, these aren't sins. Well, th that's just because of your circumstance or experience in life, right? But we're trying to go into these deeper things. But the fear of terrorism, for instance, going back to that, well, it could become paralyzing, right? There can also be a fear of, and this is very serious, uh, racism, right? It can, it can manifest itself in the, in the fear of physical harm or, and, and or the fear of rejection, right? There are certain people that you may fear simply because of the color of their skin or their ethnic background. Maybe you feel safer or less safer on people that have a particular skin color, right? We have to be careful how, how there can be sort of this racism attached to our fear of harm. But it's not just physical harm that we tend to fear. There can be non-physical harm. How about verbal abuse? Someone tying into you with their words, right? There can be a fear of man that is the product of this 
of verbal abuse. And it can be crushing toward people. Right? There can be attached to this, and even more serious, I might say that there, there's this fear of even sexual harassment. Right? And I want you to remember that in no way does the scripture suggest that we should stay in certain abusive situations. Right? Certainly, if you're in a situation of sexual harassment, right, there, there, is, there is a way out. You need to talk to a brother or sister in Christ. Right? Talk to the pastors. Right? But what we, what we need to address here specifically is when our fear of being harmed can kind of ca cause us to kind of be either on the one hand silent or angry in response when the gospel actually calls us to a different response, right? So how does the fear of harm affect us? Well, it can be very paralyzing, the fear of harm. It can be very real, this fear that this hurt will actually happen again. Right? And with that, there can be a sense in which the victim becomes almost perpetually in this state of identifying as that, that person of, of hurt or victim. It can become your identity, right? Especially for those who have been abused, there can be this temptation even to think that, that you deserved it, right? And we need to take this opportunity now to reject that lie. Right? If you've ever felt that you've deserved hurt that you received <laughs> from others because you're a bad person or God is angry with you, that, that's a lie. There's no evil in God's wrath. Right? And if you were or are abused, it's wrong. And we do not deserve this kind of injustice. This, we have to be careful of the, the victim mentality. But we also have to recognize that there is no evil in God's wrath. And the temptation to think that, well, you deserved that hurt, well, that's just so far from the truth. There can also be an experience, not just the, a victim mentality, there can be an experience of self-pity that can sometimes come as we think of the fear of harm. And the, the, the self-pity response is just that, well, it's, it's very self-focused, right? And it looks for, for solutions from the self rather than solutions that are from the Lord. So the, here are some of the internal effects, right, of how this fear of harm can affect us. We can have this misplaced shame, right? We've talked about that. There can be even the challenge of learning to trust others once again. It can be a real thing. There can also be bitterness, right? Bitterness can arise toward others and even toward God himself in relation to how we respond to the fear of harm. Bitterness. 
We don't want to be hurt by others. So we can either get into this trap of self-pity or we can be bitter even in our heart. There was, a, there was an old cowboy once told me that bitterness is like swallowing poison and hoping the other person dies. Bitterness is like swallowing poison and hoping that the other person dies. This fear of hurt, right? And it can be on a, again, there is a wide scale in terms of being hurt, right? And we want to we identify that and, and be cautious and, and compassionate within that scale, right? But, but to ball it all up inside, is not the solution. You can have the victim response, you can have what may be called more of a stoic response. Right? The stoic might never admit that they have a weakness or a fear. Right? Because they don't want to be opened up to that fear. So how does the fear of harm affect us? The fear of being harmed again. Being a victim can become an identity. Believing you deserved it. And self-pity. At this stage, we need to, we need to conclude with a gospel response to the fear of exposure, right? the fear of rejection, and the fear of harm. What is the gospel response? Well, the gospel response is first off this. The worst harm, the worst harm we need to recognize has already been experienced, right? In Christ's atoning death for sins. Sins even that he did not commit. He didn't fear the imminent physical harm. He trusted and feared his father. Right? So we first need to recognize that the worst harm has already been experienced. Second, we need to recognize that Christ, who loved us by suffering, he, he loved us and, and we're, we're, we know this love because he suffered actual harm. As Spurgeon put it, God is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. God is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. A gospel response to harm is to recognize that though we cannot explain explain it or justify it, we can trust that God has purposes that are greater and better than ours. And third, as a gospel response, we recognize that the compassion that sees those who do harm as injured, sorry, Third, the, the compassion that sees those who do harm as injured by the harm they do. Right? Those who are the perpetrators, right? They're also harmed, right? 
and they need to see that. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. And so, in other words, for those who do harm, their fear of man is likely a huge piece of that. They, too, need the gospel, not our fear in response. So let's just look down now at your, your page, your notes. You wrote down at the start some ways that we fear exposure, we fear rejection, and we fear harm. And perhaps now there might be some new ways that you see these three forms of fear that surface even up in your own heart. And if you have any additions, you might choose to write them down at this time. So the fear of man, the fear of exposure, the fear of rejection, and the fear of harm. Okay, well let's, let's wrap it up in prayer. Please come talk to me or, or Paul afterwards if you have any further questions. Um, but we'll pray and get ready for the main service. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you knowing that even as our sin exposes us, we see only one solution and one Savior that can actually make us acceptable in your sight, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you for the confidence and boldness we can have, even in coming to you in prayer and worship, uh, knowing that you know our hearts. You know what is in man. You know that we are but dust. And Lord, we thank you that we can come to you even in our fears, recognizing that ultimately we need to see you and we need to fear you rather than fearing what man can do. If, if God is for us, well, who can be against us? So help us, Lord, to have this kind of confidence. Lord, I pray for healing and I pray for comfort for those who have, even this morning, been reminded of deep wounds and deep hurts. We know, Lord, that, that there is a bomb in Gilead. We know that there is a great physician. We know, Lord, that you are the great healer. And so, Lord, we pray that you would heal our hurts. Heal the many pains that people have and bear, and bear with, uh, even today, Lord, as a result of sin in this world, as a result even of their own sin and, and the result of the sin of others. So help us, Lord, and teach us by your Spirit and comfort our hearts, Lord, as we turn and we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.